Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and a very special guest. He is my friend. He is a rising star realtor in the Central Florida market. He lives in Orlando by way of Texas. His name is Adrian Jimenez. Adrian, welcome the Loan Officer Podcast. <laughs> you nailed the Jimenez part. Have to, man. That's uh, two years of Espanol in uh, La Escuela y dos años en La Universidad. Pero uh, no hablo. <laughs> habla muy bien. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome, man. Thank you for having me. Yes. Super excited to be here. I'm this super awesome. stoked. So let, let's talk about who you are. I know, obviously, you uh, grew up in Texas. Yes. Right? Uh, you're an avid outdoorsman. You love yes. to hunt. You love to fish. Yes. Uh, by the way, I'm doing a middle grounds trip on Tuesday. No. On Tuesday. Hopefully, we're going to slay the red snapper, the grouper. <laughs> oh, it's going to be amazing. Um, weather, weather, uh, uh, prevailing. Um, but you are a local realtor who you became licensed when, uh, it was August of 2020, August of 2020. Perfect. So not even two years ago. No. So you're coming up on your two year anniversary of being a professional full-time real estate agent. Yes. Here's why you were on the show. Do you know why you're on the show? No, you really don't know. Yeah, no. you, you don't. You were hoping I was going to invite you fishing with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, you know, there could be a spot on the boat. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 it all depends on how this particular episode goes, right? Um, Please watch. Please here's why I wanted, I wanted to have you on, on the show. So the Loan Officer Podcast has been around for a little bit longer than, than you've been a realtor. Like we're like two years and four months. Oh, awesome. Okay. And we're currently at 10,000 subscribers on YouTube and we're getting like 70, 80,000 downloads a month when you include Spotify and Apple and Stitcher and everywhere else. We launched this website called tloponline.com, basically a place for us to host gobs of additional content, videos, links, um, et cetera. So along the way, our fan base, which is about 75% mortgage professionals, okay. right? The other 25% is other, mm-hmm. right? It could be a realtor like you. It, it could be somebody who they just like to learn about personal finance. We love teaching everything you should have learned in high school, but didn't. Mm-hmm. So we call ourselves the Loan, the Loan Officer Podcast because I believe that most people need a good LO or a good loan officer in their back pocket. 100%. Um, and I also believe that loan officers' sole responsibility in today's day and age moving forward is to act as some kind of a financial literacy coach to the community of fellow Americans. Mm-hmm. Um because most people do not have the ability or have the know-how to go seek the the advice of a financial advisor. Okay, so it just works. And at my core, I still look at myself as a loan officer, although it's been a few years since I've actually been down in the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. So all of those audience members who tune in on all the different platforms I discussed and they they go to the the website, they've been dying to know, D.O., J.C., how do we catch the attention of realtors, how? What is it that they're looking for? What is it that that um, they need? How can I convince someone to give me the time or day to then try to forge a relationship? And I thought long and hard about this. And I'm like, you know what? Who should I ask to be on this on the show? Because I've been around for almost two decades, and I have some friends in very high places that have had amazing careers, the Jenny Weimerts of the world, uh, for those that are local to Orlando. Mm-hmm. And Jenny would be a phenomenal guest. She's amazing. 
But I think you would have, I would have wanted to interview Jenny 15 years ago, <laughs> right? Because at this point, Jenny's a business owner with 50 plus agents and brokerages in multiple states. And although we can learn a lot from her, I don't know if she could speak to the audience as to what it is that they really want. Okay. So yeah. I like you because you're 20 some months into this. Yeah. You're really good at what you do. I love it. You've impressed the hell out of people like me early on. And I want the audience to know in your first 20 months, how many transactions have you sold? Like units, volume, like however you all do in the real estate world. Let's just kind of define who Adrian Jimenez is so that when you speak, they know where you're coming from. Yeah. And in these 20 months, I would say I'm at 40 plus. So you've closed 40 transactions. Yes. Equal buy side, list side, more buy, less, less, less buy. Like how, how, how would you split that up? Early on, it was more buy side, obviously. Okay. Um, then I was able to move quickly into list side. I wouldn't say it's 50-50, but I would say it's probably 70-30, at least 70-30 between listing and buying. Okay. Yeah. But like it, it fluctuates quarter to quarter, or are you primarily now 70% listings and only 30% buyers? Well, no, it was 70% 70, 70 buyers, 30% listings. I am more into, I, I love both sides of it. Yes. They're totally different. So um, I now that I've had a taste of the listing side. It's been great. However, for me, with what I know just in business from my past is that you always have to diversify. So I feel like right now I'm going back into the buy side because of the way the market's kind of shifting a little bit, but I love I love doing the listing side. So I'm, I am doing a lot of marketing towards listing as well. Okay. Because the buyers, I've got quite a few buyers, but I wanna increase my listing side. So for the audience tuning in, 40 transactions in 20 months. Mm -hmm. If you do some quick math, that's you're averaging two transactions a month. Yeah. That's 10x. If you don't know this, I know this. It's 10x your industry average. I did not know that. Your industry average. Yeah, I think the average realtor, licensed real estate agent, I want to say that they transact two to three closings a year. Right? If you're at 40 in 20 months, you're just about 10x. <laughs> right? You are that realtor that the audience needs to go out and find. They need to meet you. They need to figure out what your buttons are, how to push them and how to become a true partner mm -hmm. because you have 20 plus years left in your career. You're Absolutely. for the most part, although you've had great success, you're still in the infancy. Right. And, and this is what I think newer loan officers or loan officers who are in growth mode I think this is where their attention needs to be focused on people like Adrian. And that's why I was so excited to have you uh, agree to come on the show and let me pick your brain. Before we get into that, I am curious because you mentioned it. What did you do prior to real estate? So I've had a couple of small businesses. Uh, one of them recently was uh, shut down due to COVID. It was I had a tour guide company, had five guides, two ladies that worked in my office, and it was fun. We I did that for 13 years and I- So here in Orlando, Florida, you were given tours. Yeah, to Disney, Universal SeaWorld, all of those kind of big parks. Wait a minute, you were the tour guide with like the flag that I would see at the theme park and you were walking people through? No, not with the flag. Okay. So we had clients from all over from, man, the coolest one, uh, I have a lot of really cool clients, but I had the one that I can say, my claim to fame, I got to tour the Duke and D Duchess of Marlboro and their children in the parks. So it was very private. So we would do 
most people get about six or seven, maybe eight, nine attractions in about nine or 10 hours at Disney. We would get about 16 or 17 in about six hours. Just knowing how the park flows and going on the ins and outs and we wouldn't wait longer than 15 or 20 minutes for a line. And so I had that and I loved that business. I loved, I loved the, I got in just the tour side. And then whenever I started getting into the business side of it, like learning how more on my leadership side, more on having how to deal with banks, lawyers, attorneys, uh, like all of the business. Yeah. So you started as a tour guide and mm -hmm. then you eventually end up buying the business, mm -hmm. running the business. Mm -hmm. And then unfortunately COVID happened in March of 2020, which if you are in travel and tourism, especially, yeah, you basically had all of your revenue stripped away from you overnight. Cut at the knees. Yes. Like March 8th was my last client. So you were a, a little bit forced into real estate. Yeah. You lost everything. Sure. Right. Lost yeah. everything forced into real estate, but you had a buddy, right? You had a buddy in real estate who probably had been trying to recruit you and convince you to come over for years. Exactly. Yeah. And you're like, no, nah, man, I love what I do. I make really good money. Um, he's like, no, but you can make even more money in real estate. <laughs> You'd be great at it. Um, and look, some people listening, they've been in your shoes, yeah. right? Someone's like, I think you'd be great at this. You should, you should join. Just trust us, trust right. the system, trust the process. Um, you maybe weren't willing to until life forced you. Yeah, that's so, exactly it. So you jumped in August of 2020 mm -hmm. and you're like, well, at this point I have no other option. So let's go ahead and, and let's become a realtor. Yeah. So I'm assuming um, you found a good brokerage, you found good training, you found good mentorship. Exactly. What were some of the first things you did as a realtor to build your following, to build your book of business? How did you come across those first three, five, or even seven closings? So one of the things that's really important, obviously marketing, right? But um, what I always tell like young agents that are coming in, I tell them, well, I ask them, I'm like, what are you selling? Straight up. And I would say 90% of the people who answer that question is houses. And I'm like, no, you're not selling houses. You're selling yourself. At all times, you're selling yourself. Whether it's here, I get to sell myself. Uh, whether I'm on a call with a buyer, uh, a seller, I'm always selling myself, but I have to be selling myself when I'm not selling myself. So the very first thing I did was I spent literally two weeks, 14 hours a day, and finding every real estate site I could find, find out if they had um, like a free profile for agents. Mm -hmm. And then I just built a profile and I built a bio and I spent time and I just did my bio one time. And I just copied and pasted, took my photos. What type of websites are those? Can you can you drop a couple of them? Yeah, Realtor.com, Zillow. Um, gosh, uh, all HubZoo is HubZoo one that you would do, or uh, I didn't do that one, but like, um, uh, gosh, I'm kind of blanking on all of the just the basics yeah. the, that are out there for for real estate. Well, I mean, look, if you if you hit Realtor.com and Zillow, those are probably two of the largest ones. Yeah, but. I had I think I had like twenty. 20 different websites or more that I that I definitely went in there and I just went photo bio and then I got creative with the way I wrote my bio and and when I write my bio I don't write it where I'm trying to sell a house I'm writing it to where I'm selling myself and I'm getting on a personal level because if I'm selling my house or if I was selling my house back in the day I want to know that I can trust you not as a professional not just as a professional but I want to trust you as a friend mm -hmm. like am I getting real advice from you or am I getting the sales advice? You know? So I talk about me and I talk about my history and I talk about my family. So if you go look me up now, 
if you go to Google or just Google me, I pretty much take the first page. So that's what I'm talking about whenever I'm selling myself, when I'm not selling myself. I may be on one call with you, but it happens all the time where they don't tell me, but I find out just from words that they say that they'll, I found, I figured out that they Googled me. And I, people were Googling me whenever I was one month in, two months in. And I feel like that was my retention. That was where, when people uh, had a conversation when they were like, I like him, but who is he? Yeah. And then they type in and they find out and like, oh, he, he looks like he's been busy. Yeah. You know? So what I heard that you just dropped subtly, you worked 14 hour days for two weeks straight. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's anyone who's uber successful. I've already laid it out. You 10 X what your average realtor does in your first 20 months. Yes. It's because you're the type of person who, when you came in, you're like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm obsessed with it. I'm going to be great at it. And I'm willing to put in 14 hour days. Um, I love the tip and the trick though, for those newer agents or those loan officers who want to bring value to newer agents. Why don't you coach them and teach them? Yeah. Hey, let's go ahead and make sure you have your every free profile that's afforded to you. Mm -hmm. Obviously Zillow, obviously realtor.com, but there's probably 18 other ones that talk to your broker. They can probably give you the names exactly. and, and, uh, and, and the um, point in the right direction and create a bio, put a photo, put your contact information, make sure your bio is personable. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Um, were you buying leads? Like, were you buying leads on Zillow? Was your broker offering leads? Um, what, like, did you have to smile and dial? Did you have to work expired? Did, did you have to go door knocking? I'm just curious, where'd you find those first three, five, seven transactions that you closed? So to answer directly, I, uh, so the great thing about our, the broker that I have, um, which is Ryan Barnett with Market Connect Realty. Shout out to Ryan and Market <laughs> Connect Realty. Uh, no, he's fantastic. He uh, he provided leads. Okay. Up front. And there were a lot of Google leads that people just Googling. He does really good, great with marketing. So I just pay him a trans, uh, 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 referral fee, mm -hmm. right, for those. But that wasn't my first, man, my first, <laughs> my first one is, uh, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah got it's it's unreal but anyways that was through um social media that okay. was another thing that i did was i took time to really invest in my social media to where i kind of had a presence there that looked like i was around and then through that one of my leads one of my clients from my old business saw that i did that and said oh you're in real estate i'm going to refer you to somebody else to in connecticut and then that person was a $500,000 cash buyer for the investment market, uh, real estate. Thank you for clarifying what you meant by social media. Okay. Again, I'm going to, I'm going to take what I heard. I'm going to rephrase it. Yeah. So Adrian's first transaction was a $500,000 cash transaction yeah. because he wasn't afraid to get on social media and let everybody that he was already connected with know this is what I do for a living. This is how I can help you. Mm -hmm. I'm sure knowing you, you didn't do it in a used car salesman men no. mentality. You did so very personably, Yes. right? Talking about yourself in first person that you, you probably even shared that you just lost your business because of COVID and this is now what you're doing. And if you know of anyone that, you know, needs a great advisor that they can trust, please have them call right. me. Yeah. And you utilized social media, but it wasn't a stranger. 
No. It wasn't a stranger. And I say that we just did an episode like a week or two ago on social media where like I had this this double edged sword uh, thought process with it. It's like on one side, I'm like, look, it's not the end all be all. You're not going to convince strangers to do business with you because of your social media profile. Right. Oh, but you also have to be on it and spend 30, 30 minutes a day networking, mm -hmm. utilizing social media. Exactly. You networked. Yes. You could have gone to a bar. Sure. You could have gone to a baseball game. You chose to go on social media that day and just announce to whoever was tuning into you that day what you're doing. Someone who already knew you, already liked you, already trusted you, exactly. referred you to one of their friends. That friend called you. You won them over and voila. Yeah. yeah. And then you worked leads, right? You yeah. you chose a brokerage that provides you leads. Now, at a discounted commission, right? You don't make the same commission on those leads, but at least gave you an opportunity. Right. And I'm assuming you weren't afraid to pick up the phone and smile and dial. No, not at all. No. How many phone calls a day were you making early on? Do you know, or did you keep track of? I didn't keep track. Yeah. I was just, I was obsessed with this has to, there is no other option. Yes. There, there isn't a fail safe button here. Yes. I don't have a backup. Yeah. This has to work. So, so but like, would you, would you call for an hour a day for two hours a day? I would at least two hours a day. At least two hours a day. So because, you spent two hours a day prospecting. Mm -hmm. Okay. At least two hours to where, because I, uh, that was really great about my mentorship there with, with uh with ryan is that he helped kind of give me a, a guideline like hey make sure you do x amount here x amount here you got to have a structured day to be able to have success and one of my this is just a little shout out to one of my mentors up in uh, the northeast he told me a long time ago he said do you know the definition of success and i and i was thinking it's the mountaintop mm -hmm. and he was like no he goes every day you can be successful because you want to be able to give yourself little wins to get to the end. And success is taking a step in the direction that you want to, of the place that you want to go. So I'm successful today, regardless of my bank account or what, what happened today, I'm still successful because of what I invested into my future. So I love that. Who gave you that advice? Um, that was from Ted Seides. He's got a podcast too. Oh, does he? Yeah. Well, shout out Ted. Yeah. 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 Ted, next time you're in Orlando, is he like a real estate podcaster no. or is he? No, he, uh, he's a hedge fund guy from okay. the Northeast. And yeah, he's, uh, he's a very close friend of mine, uh, old friend of mine that he's been, he's invested a lot of time, money, uh, advice. Just, he's a really close friend. How about this? Mentor. Cause I'm getting ready to start getting into the meat and potatoes. Like loan officers are chomping at the bit. They're probably already fast forwarded, you know, through, through all of this saying, when does he start asking Adrian? about what it takes to catch his attention, to yeah. be in a, in a referral relationship with Adrian. Oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. But before I do, because you mentioned Teddy, you mentioned good advice. What is some, some really good advice that you could give to a younger in their career, not necessarily younger in, in age, right? Mm -hmm. um, because you didn't do real estate right out of college. You had a almost 20 year career outside of real estate, mm -hmm. but you're still a young real estate agent. Yeah. Um, what, what advice would you have for someone who's either getting into, it could be selling homes, it could be a commercial real estate agent, it could be a mortgage lender, it could be a financial advisor, it could be um, a life insurance salesperson. Right. Like what type of advice, now that you've kind of made it through those first two years, you're doing well, you're on that journey, you're getting daily wins, the mm -hmm. bank account's looking much better today than it probably looked a year ago and definitely <laughs> than it did 20 months ago. Yes. What, what advice would you have for those people? Uh, I would say early on, you have to invest in yourself. And what I mean by that is uh, invest into uh, building your profile, building not just on social media, but on all of these things, be, uh, because p 
people are on the internet. I mean, it's you, you drive on the road and you see people on their phone and they're not looking at text messages. Maybe they are, but they're looking at social media. They're looking at Google. People are always going to Google you and they want to know who they're working with. So I would say really invest into that. There's to me, there's always a foundation that you have to put underneath yourself. You can go and try to build a business, but if you don't put a foundation underneath it, then you're not building anything. You're just kind of, you're just turning your wheels. And so I would say just invest into that side of it. Then also invest into the structure of your day, knowing don't, like, I see it too often is that people don't have anybody that's willing, that they're willing to partner themselves with to mentor them. Like, my best friend, he's fantastic. He invested into showing me the business, but then I had Ryan who helped me say, okay, structure your day. You need to spend two hours a day calling people. You need to spend two hours a day on your prospect, or not prospecting, but on your bio, your profile, your all of these things. You need to spend uh, some time working the people that you have, talking to those people and just following up with them, you know? Um, so I, I would say learn how to structure your day. And that's one of the podcasts, shout out to you, that I listened to that really solidified that as well. Just knowing like you, you really kind of broke broke your day down on how like your morning routine is and how your call, when you take your calls, how you take your calls and having a structure and being able to stick to that structure and, and not deviating too far from it. You may have to make adjustments, but always have that structure. Yeah, one of the way. first episodes we did was theme days. And I always start with theme days because a theme day lets me know what I have to do today. Mm -hmm. I do it with my workouts, mm -hmm. right? Like in high school, our gym teacher told us, oh, we do chest on Monday, we do legs on Tuesday, shoulders on Wednesday. That's a theme day. Yeah, I know what my theme is just by what day the, of, of the calendar it is. My work week's the same exact way. Like if I'm a realtor, maybe I'm calling expired listings on Wednesday. I'm doing my my listing follow-up phone calls mm -hmm. to my to my listing clients on Thursday. And maybe I'm prepping for open houses on Friday. And then right. mon Monday I'm calling buyer prospects. Like I just have to have a theme to, to my day. And then when you talk about the boring aspect, I've prided myself my whole entire life being um, who I am. Like I'm gregarious, I'm outgoing, I'm often obnoxious. I'm, um, I'm uh, not often, but from time to time arrogant. Um, but I'm flashy and I, I leave an impression, right? I have my whole life. I, I wanted that. Yeah. The older I get, I want a little bit less of it, but it's ingrained in who I am. But here's where I'm not that at work, at work. I'm boring AF. I am boring as fuck. You know <laughs> what I'm doing from 6am all the way till 10pm. That part is boring. <laughs> get me outside of work. Um, or get me on breaks between work and not work. Sure, I'm sure I will do something that will, or say something that'll make you laugh. It'll make you cringe. Yeah. It'll be memorable, right? <laughs> but I always try to tell people in business, like you, you kind of want to be boring. You want to yeah. be predictable yeah. because that creates patterns and patterns lead to success. Yes. All right, let's lead to this. Why you came here, why you're sitting in the hot seat. All right, Adrian, I am a loan officer and I am in growth mode. I want to get your attention. I just found out that you're newly licensed 20 months ago. You've already closed 40 transaction. You're obviously an up and coming superstar, uh, a who is who, what do I have to do to gain your attention, to build your trust and to be a true partner? Yeah. So for me, um, I, I'm always looking, how do I serve my clients? 
service has always been a huge priority to me. And I believe that in everything that I've done in my past, and whether this business or other businesses, it's always been customer service, right? So where where is that at? And, and with what we're in relation to what we're talking about, that's my client. That's my whether it's a seller or buyer specifically for uh, for our lenders. I, I'm looking how do I serve them at the highest level, right? And and I'm looking at all aspects of that. How do I win this? How do I win this transaction for them? How do I uh, do all of those things. And one of the main key things is being able to have a great uh, lender that I partner with them, that I partner them with. And Because the lender's a reflection of you. Yes. And you're putting service as your number one tenant. Like you, that is the top thing, the service you provide. So anyone that you refer must adhere to your own customer service. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So that I want to know that their customer service is, uh, I don't want to sound cocky, but it's like my customer service. Yes. My customer service is, yeah. I, I bend over backwards. White glove, Ritz Carlton. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I want, that's the kind of customer service that I want for my client. And for multiple reasons, right? I want to know that customer service has many different levels. And, but one of the main ones for me is communication. So I don't want to just be able to have uh, communication with the loan officer, but I want to know his team. I want to know, you know, do you have Tracy? Do you have, do you have all these people behind you? And then if I need to, can I get a hold of them? Can I talk to them? Because if shit's hitting the fan, I want to know who do I talk to? Yeah. And I don't want to wait for a department to call me back. I want to know that I can call this person. I can call this person. I can get an answer. That's what's really important to me because that's what helps me close deals. We all know, you know, it's one thing to get into contract. And so I always tell my clients, I'm like, it's not done until we have a HUD and we have closed. Yes. It's not done. Deals fall apart. And how am I going to, how can I try to get in front of that as far in front of that as possible? And the way I do that is before I even get into contract, who is, who is my lender? How do I, what kind of relationship do I have with that lender? Can, can I know, or do I know that like when stuff starts going wrong, like what other options do we have? What can we do? What can I do to help? How can I get my client on board to help you? Where can I come in? It's not just like, okay, we're in contract. You guys deal with it. No, I want to know like, all right, what can we do together? How can we work together to get this thing to the closing table? You know, what I love that you just said when things go wrong Yeah. for people tuning in, you just listen to a top producing reel to recognize that it's okay that things go wrong. Yeah. Absolutely. It's expected that things are going to go wrong. That's called life. Yeah. What's not okay is putting your head in sand. What is not okay is not picking up your phone call, mm -hmm. right? What is not okay is not being resourceful enough to go find a way to back yourself out of that corner. Right. Exactly. That, that comes down to the service yep. that, that you've been, ex been explaining. Um, how would, so then that would be something where you'd have to meet with someone you'd have to like them. Right. You're, you're probably not a guy that's going to work with someone that you don't like from the get go. No. Yeah. So you, you, whether it's a gut feel, whether it's through conversation, you are going to have to like the person. And then if you like them, you're going to have to give them an opportunity. Right. And then it's what, the, what does that lender do with that opportunity? Right. So like I, I heard you mentioned basically be accessible. Mm -hmm. And if you're not accessible, is your team accessible? Mm -hmm. Cause you understand that loan officers have processors. 
-hmm. right? That there's an underwriter involved, there's a closing department involved. Um, a loan officer may even have an assistant, mm -hmm. but you need to know who they are. At least it's, yes. and, and what I'm hearing from you, you need to know who they are and you need to have accessi accessibility to them as well. Exactly. Very cool. Um, the lender that you work with most today, how did you meet him or her? Uh, so that was a referral from, from my brokerage. Okay. Right? So, yep. so you went to work for the brokerage 20 months ago. They said, Hey, call this guy. A lot of us have had good experiences with him. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Um, and even then, like I used him, but I was keeping my eyes open. Yeah. Other places. And, but I'll tell you, this is, uh, I, what I love about him is everything that I've shared with you. This guy bends over backwards for all of his clients for, especially for my clients and bend over backwards for me. And, and this is the story that I actually tell my clients. This is why, this is how I win them to pull them from other, yes. <laughs> from other lenders to me because, uh, to, to him yeah. because of this one story that I always tell them. I'm like, and I couple this with a couple of different stories, but one of the ones is this guy, it was a Friday night, nine o'clock at night. I'm out eating sushi with my wife. I have an offer in with him as my lender, right? Pre-approved for my client. And um, the real estate agent on the other side, he was a commercial agent. He really didn't know the, re the residential side, but so we'd put in a great offer, full price offer. And um, whenever this guy calls me at nine o'clock, the, the listing agent, and he's like, I don't understand this. This is 5% uh, down, this and all, and I'm like, this is typical. I don't understand how it's not, how you don't understand it, but he's, once again, he was commercial. Anyways, I said, well, hold on. Give me about five minutes. I'm gonna call my guy. Called him up, nine o'clock at night. He's playing cards with friends. He was like, can you give me five minutes? I said, yes. He calls him back. He was like, yeah, man, I'll talk to the listing agent. I'm like, great, give me one second. Three-way, call the listing agent. The listing agent picks up. I'm like, here you go, here's my guy. Talk to him. Um, he can explain loan product he can explain everything and he can also tell you how qualified my my buyer is and um, i put it on mute i'm still eating sushi and i'm listening to this and they start talking and he literally won that deal for me um and then at the end of it that that agent was like i need uh, i need to have your information because yeah. i want to use you in the in the future but the the, the story doesn't end there that same that same transaction fast forward we get to appraisal at the appraisal th this isn't the story i cut that story off okay from my clients yeah way earlier but this is the story that i have this is where me as an agent for other uh, loan officers this is where i was like even more solidified this is where it put it in concrete for me because everything went wrong the appraisal came in we were at 350 the appraisal came in. I knew that this one was probably 340, 345, and I was going to be able to negotiate mm -hmm. that any difference. But the appraisal came in at 304, and I was I was like, this doesn't make sense. This is all the appraisals were going crazy at this time. We appealed it, all of that stuff. We did everything, and I had all the communication with him. Everything was good. Sadly enough, we couldn't get the appeal too far off to be able to negotiate any kind of difference right and so the only other option here as you know and all your 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 audience knows is i have to go get to be able to get another appraisal i have to go get a whole other lender yeah so i called my backup lender and i was like can you make this deal happen 
He's like, I can. Uh, can you get me any information on this? I called my guy. He was like, whatever it takes to be able to get your client taken care of. He took the entire file, sent the file directly to my other lender. My other lender was able to close it. By the way, it came in and appraised at 355 at that <laughs> point. And then we closed that deal. Yeah. I, and that client was a happy client. It was a whole bunch of stuff, other little details that I won't go into on how we made that deal happen and how we got it closed. But going back to my original guy, that's what solidified. Yeah, Those are so the he made, customer service. Yeah, he made himself wildly accessible, right? And, and, and I'm sure he does, he's not always available at 9 p.m. on a Friday, but you're like, hey, let me give him a call because you, you probably knew him well enough that if he doesn't pick up, he'll probably call me back by 10 a.m. tomorrow on a Saturday. Exactly. Um, then he got on the phone with the listing agent, advocated on your behalf and your client's behalf, mm -hmm. won over the listing agent, won the contract. And then when disaster struck, he didn't put his head in the sand. He stepped up to the plate and he realized, like, I'm in a partnership with Adrian. Mm -hmm. I'm in this for the long haul. I need to make sure Adrian gets paid. I need to make sure this buyer buys this house. And if it means that I can't do the loan because for whatever reason, the appraisal that we used, the appeal that we made, nothing went our way. He did the right thing. Yeah. yeah you're looking for someone who does the right thing always. Because exactly. I'm guessing you're the type of person who does the right thing always. Exactly. What about programs, products, and guidelines? Is that something that's sexy to you? Is that something that does that catch your attention? Yeah, sure. I, so I want to know there's different, you know, there's different loan products, right? So I'm always looking. I want to I, eventually I want to know from that person, that lender, you know, what kind of products do you have? You know how diverse are, is your is your company is your uh, is your bank? Because I want to know like how many clients can I send your way? And I might have a client that may need uh, help with down payment assistance. I may have a client that has jumbo loans. I may have a client that I like. I me personally, I'm not gonna. I diversify my my buyers because I'm not going to turn down anybody. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure I can be able to service all of my clients. And if I can service all of them with one lender, then great. But I want to know what all your products are eventually. But I think what uh, I, I, that's really important. I want to know um, how, you know, I want to know how intense they do get into uh, as far as the pre-approval goes. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want it to be like, yeah, they're pre-approved. And then I go, and we get into it, and like, you didn't check their bank statements. You didn't check this. You didn't check this. You, you know, all these different things. And I sadly have had to deal with other lenders that a buyer brought that I couldn't get them over. And then sure enough, all of these things that could go wrong have gone wrong. And I can't be able to. Correct me if I'm wrong here. The number one most terrible thing a mortgage lender can do is tell a realtor who then tells their seller client that someone is pre-approved and the loan doesn't get approved. Oh, is, am, am I at all wrong in that statement? No, not at right? all. That's the worst thing. That's the worst. That thing. is a, I will never call you back again. I will maybe give you a terrible review on social media and I'm going to tell all of my friends in my office to never ever talk to you. Yeah. Like that's the worst. And, and I, I, I say it like that because I coach loan officers for a living and I have for, you know, a decade plus and they have the tools. Mm -hmm. They have the resources mm -hmm. that they can verify income, verify assets, run it through through automated underwriting, check with their with their sales manager, do the research on their own, whether it's through all regs or ask Polly or going on tlopponline.com. <laughs> I mean, like there's ways of doing this. Yeah. And usually out of 
hastedliness or laziness, they don't. And to me, it's an industry standard. Like, hey, look, you have to know as a realtor that your lenders pre-approval letters, the term I use are ironclad. And if it's not ironclad, someone like your lender, because I actually, I know your lender, right? Your lender's yeah. been on this show before. Yeah. He's how you and I met. His name is Kevin Murphy. He's a mega producer. Amazing. Um, he's a great guy. I've known him since middle school, actually. But um, I know Kevin well enough that if he had a pre-approval that he was a little bit shaky about, he's going to let you know. He tells me every single time. Yeah. And I, and I, I appreciate that because I know how I'm going to move forward, how, like, what is, what, what I need to do, because I need to know what landmines I have in front yes. of me. Yes. And, and that's what I love about him. He never pulls the punches. He was like, Hey, this one's, this one's shaky. Yeah. And like, I'm, Hey, look, I've done all my research. Mm -hmm. I've talked to my underwriter. I've looked up the guidelines. Guidelines are subjective sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, or interpretive. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a pre-approval letter, but I need you and your buyer to both know that you know, this one, there's a, still a 2% chance or a 3% chance that when it gets to underwriting, underwriting can disagree with my professional uh, uh, outlook yeah. on this person's income, assets, credit, et cetera. Right. But you know about it going forward. So that's so so. other lenders who don't do proper pre-approvals, your biggest pet peeve. Huge. Do you have one or two other like what not to do? Like loan officers, don't do this, whether it's trying to get a hold of you trying to catch your attention or just ways that, that you see other lenders when, when it's not a positive experience transacting and it's habitual um, that those tuned in people are like, okay, Adrian says, don't do this. So I'm, uh, if I do do it, I'm gonna stop. Or if I ever thought about doing it, I just won't. Uh, I would say, gosh, going back to communication, communication is so big for me that I need to know that I can, like, I don't have, you don't have to, Kevin doesn't pick up my call every time but he does call me back before into business that day. Yeah. And and that's fine for me. Or he has someone on the team to call me or I have access to other people, but I can call them like yes, they can answer my question or they can help get to get started on the on whatever, you know, maybe problem that we have. So I think that's the biggest thing um, going back to the pre-approvals thing, man, that represents that also represents me because I put my name on the line with the listing agent and not only with my buyer, right, but with that listing agent. And I may not be able to ever do a transaction with that listing agent ever again if they don't think they can trust me to get the deal done, right? Yeah, no, a, a thousand percent. Um, the communication thing is, it's the easiest thing to do in but sales. it's the hardest thing in for people sales, to do. I'm like, pick up the damn phone. That's it, when it rings, you pick it up. And then if you can't pick it up, you return that phone call within one business hour, period, end of story. Yes. Period, even if it's to say, hey, I'm in a meeting of a, in the middle of a three hour marathon meeting. Text me. Yes. Like communicate. Communication is key. As cliche as it is, mm -hmm. it, it's what I'm hearing. Um, I had a question. How do you choose between referring Kevin or referring the backup? Yeah. So product. That's product what comes down to product. Yeah. yeah so, because so both of them, I can, both of them are very dependable on their, um, on, their uh, communication okay. and customer service, they're both equal, but product. Yep. Product is pretty much, and then there's something like, depending on uh, depending on my client too, uh, if my client, if I can tell that they like the local aspect, I have a, like, I have a local guy, it's a great office. If we need to go in, we do, we never mm -hmm. do. But 
like I may pitch that just to kind of make it sound more appealing, but really it comes down to product. Yeah, I always thought of myself as a realtor. Like I have to do business with people I like yeah. and I, people I respect. Yeah. Um, and then the, the next part, if I had one or two people, which I mentioned her earlier and shout out to Jenny Weimer, but Jenny taught me uh, years and years ago, like she and I both kind of came up in our in our careers together. Okay. And um, she's the one who taught me that this relationship is not a monogamous relationship. Right. Right. Like she's like, look, Dustin, you can't become territorial. I have to have other lenders. Even if you're my number one and my go to, I still have to have one or two others because I need various tools in my tool belt. Yeah. So I take I took that to heart as a, a hard life lesson to learn it when I learned it in my late twenties, early thirties, but. I also learned if I was a realtor, I would probably personality match, mm-hmm. right? And I'm guessing you probably personality match. You you have Kevin, he's your go-to. Mm-hmm. He probably he probably gets the bulk of your referrals. You have your backup. Your backup could be because of product. It could be because of personality match, or it could be just availability, yeah. right? It could be one of those instances where you're like, look, this is an urgent, urgent matter. I can't wait one hour. I can't wait 30 minutes at which point maybe the backup got an opportunity. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to audition to be your backup, like how am I going to catch your attention? Am I going to text you? Am I going to cold call you? Am I going to pop by one of your open houses? Or do I have to wait until our paths meet in some kind of a social setting? Uh, I think I, so me, I'm always open because I, I, I think that it's really important to always stay open to anybody and everybody around you network is huge right so whether it's an email text message or anything like that i think um uh you know offering me an opportunity to you know maybe go out to lunch or maybe coffee or something like that that's great because i me my partner is totally different than me but for me i'm a very social very i want to get to know you on a personal level like you said like i want to know that our personalities match right so because i know we're going to be able to we'll be able to communicate well with each other. And that right there is, is a big part of it. But then in that moment, I, what's important to me is exactly what I do with my clients is I'm selling myself. I'm not really selling my, my, my bank. I'm selling myself. How do I, how can you sell yourself? Right? How do you show me that you're the person I want to be a partner with? How do you show me like, and, and the things that are important, I've shared what are important to me, but, I think um, share, maybe sharing um, uh, like a real life moment, right? Yeah. Like, you know, typical, uh, typical interview uh, question. Tell me a moment in your life whenever you had like a really hard circumstance and you had to overcome it. Those yeah. are typical interview questions, right? That's what I want to know. Like, tell me a really hard time that you had a, a really hard transaction you had. And what did you do to overcome it? Tell me those things. Tell me real life scenarios because I want to know, do you have the chops to be able to get this transaction done? Can I trust you? Are you more likely to answer a text, a call, an email, or if I hit you up uh, via social media, whether it's IG or I uh, DM you on Facebook? I think text message and DM, I think those are really good. For you. Yeah. So to that end, uh, the my photographer. I had a great photographer before. He hit me up DM on social media. 
Now he's my only guy. Yeah. He's amazing. Yep. That's where I love social media. Yeah. Like for those people go back and I'm talking about social media. I, I grew up in an age where we didn't have that, right? Mm -hmm. So in 2004, when I was getting started, I had to call people. Right. I sent them letters and I called them. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I still use that vernacular. Oh yeah, just pick up the phone and make your calls. But making your calls could be log into Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, mm -hmm. connect with people. This is Adrian telling me to get personal mm -hmm. and then hit them up. And I'm assuming when your photographer hit you up, you just started throwing him business or, or her business, or did you actually meet with him or her first? Uh, I threw him one, I threw him one shot without ever meeting him. Just you, you, okay. Yeah. Cause I, he had great pricing at that point. Okay. And so that's really, that was a, that was a, what's coming out of my pocket. And, and, and photography is one of those things that, um, if it gets screwed up, it's not as detrimental. If someone screws up your buyer's financing. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah. I, I would imagine, I don't know, maybe you'll answer this for me. So you're saying if I was a lender and I hit you up on LinkedIn, and we started communicating back and forth. Um, and I said, hey, man, I'd love to be able to audition for your team, but don't take my word for how good I am. Uh, why don't you refer me your next two buyers and, and let me prove to you that I'm worthy to be on the Adrian Jimenez team. Would you do that without ever talking to me or, or meeting with me? Or would you kind of force the issue and make us get belly to belly and face to face? I'd have to get belly to belly on that one. You would? Yeah, because that one has a lot more weight yeah. that, it, that it carries because I, uh, I need to know, I need to do the whole interview process of yes. knowing your communication, knowing who I can talk to. I want to, I don't want to know the names of your team. I don't, I don't want to know that my file goes into an underwriting desk or, an, you know, like a department, you know, I want to know who, do you know your people? Do you have direct access to your people? And okay, who are they? Tell me their names. Tell me, how do you get a hold of them? How do I get a hold of them? If I need to, can I get a hold of them? Those are the things that I want to find out if, you know, if I like you and I, if I like how we're gelling, then I, that's where I'm going to take the next step. I want to know nice. who your team is. Really. All right. So how about this parting shots? I've already asked you to give some advice to those, those who are getting started. What's some advice that you wish was given to you early on in life? Like you're 18, you're 19, you're 20. Yeah. What's one piece of advice you're like, damn, I wish I knew that earlier. Yeah. Um, God. There's a lot. I <laughs> <laughs> was pretty... Uh, I, so I would say uh, structure, I, I would say uh, I had, uh, golly, I, I would say structure. I, I, I think that's my, my biggest, I've, I have to work really hard for structure in my life because I have, I deal with ADD really badly. Okay. So, and I didn't get to where I really understood my situation until later on in life, but really under, I guess maybe understanding myself better so that I can understand how to be able to control my uh, my daily outcome. Like this whole structure thing, it I didn't get it until I was in my late 30s. Yeah, because that's what I was thinking. You're, you're a new dad. Yeah. Right? You, oh, you, 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 you have a toddler at home. Yeah. Right? So as, as you're raising your son and as he's going from toddler to child, child to adolescent, adolescent yeah. to young adult, have you already thought about the one or two things that you're going to make sure you instill in him? Maybe it wasn't instilled in oh, you at yeah. a young age. Yeah. But this is something as you raise your son, you're like, I'm going to make sure my son knows this. That's going to be very important to him as an adult in life. Man, I, that, I like that. And I really appreciate you asking that because this is something that my dad gave me and that I will definitely pass on to him is um, being a man of your word, following through with that. But also, like, I think this is something that is a lost art that uh, I, I see it back home in Texas a lot more, but 
not around here is yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am because that actually there's a whole story it got me out of going to jail <laughs> the yes sir no sir yeah manners N- Man- know your manners be your- polite and err mm-hmm. on the side of professional versus err on the side of um you know i guess not professional what's a better word than that's not professional that's um conversational that's um like we too much slang too much respecting respecting your your, your fellow human like yeah having respect for the person across from you at all times is i think that's to me that's one of the most thing that's one of the things that'll help you get further along in life is having respect and that so going back to what you said earlier you may be gregarious and be like this big personality and all of that but one thing i've always loved about you is that you've always respected me regardless like um you respect my time you respect me as a person you have uh, just respect right you may be this outgoing person but you do have respect for everybody around you I've, I've always watched that whenever i've hung out with you i've seen that and that's what i that's what i want for not just my son but that's one thing that has always been i didn't i didn't go to college i didn't graduate from college but i believe that having respect for those people around you more people give you opportunities if they're like i can trust that person that that person he may not know everything but I can give him a task and he's going to respect what I'm sharing with him and that he's going to listen to me and having respect for the I next human being. I love it. So how about this? If somebody wants to get a hold of Adrian Jimenez, maybe they have a question regarding becoming a licensed real estate agent. Yeah. Maybe they have a particular buyer who needs a good realtor in Orlando. Yeah. How would they get a hold of you? Uh, AdrianJimenez.com. Okay. Spell that for me. A-D-R-I-A-N-J-I-M-I-N-E-Z.com. Which, by the way, that was one. Of, that's another little tip for real estate agents. Twelve dollars, buy your name. That's a good tip for loan officers. Every time we onboard a loan officer, I own DustinOwen.com. Kevin owns KevinMurphyHomeLoans.com. Buy your own domain. My son, I already bought his domain for his name. Look at you go, <laughs> like, Adrian. Thank he's going to be an entrepreneur. That's <laughs> he has no choice. No. Um, thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you, you for coming in and letting, letting us pick your brain and sharing what matters most to you. He's Adrian Jimenez. I'm Dustin Owen. You've tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast. That's all the time we have for you for this episode, but we look forward to catching you on future episodes. Peace. Thank you, guys.